this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive on Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Over the last two weeks, I have been centering our conversation around the identity statement of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, which says, we are Disciples of Christ, a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. As part of the one body of Christ, we welcome all to the Lord's table as God has welcomed us. I wanted to be intentional about this time so that we might learn more about our tradition to be proud of it, to be inspired by it, and to also for all of us to reflect more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ today. I talked about being a part of a movement, a Christian movement. Last Sunday was about wholeness, and today is about the Lord's table and how it is the center and the heart of our worship here. And our scripture that I'm going to use today is from Corinthians And I know very well that it's probably familiar to you because it happens to be the scripture that we say every Sunday when we come to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And this scripture is Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. And in this passage in chapter 11 here, he takes some time to talk about what the Lord's Supper is about, and according to Paul, First Church Corinth is getting it all wrong. Today, our communion, our actual communion, is very clearly a remembrance of a meal, because you're going to have to eat a whole lot of those little communion packets to get full today. It's just a remembrance of the meal, but back In Paul's time, it was an actual full meal, and Paul was discouraged by what he was seeing of how the church was practicing the Lord's Supper because what he saw is that the richer Christians were coming with a big full meal while the poorer Christians were coming to the table with crumbs. Some were coming early and drinking up all the wine. Literally, Paul calls them out for getting drunk. He does not mince words. The hierarchy, the class, the power structures of their day was all showing in their worship. And this upset Paul. The Lord's Supper was supposed to be a time of reminding of one community, and yet he was seeing times of division. It was a fractured grab-all of who's got what. In fact, in verse 17, before our passage that I'm going to read today, this is what Paul says. He says, now in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. Ouch. He points out that their communion is looking nothing like Jesus, who is to be the host of this meal. And he calls them on it. And then... At some point, he switches from scolding to preaching, to reminding them of why we do this Lord's Supper to begin with. 
And this is where I'm going to pick up today in verse 23, if you have your Bibles handy and want to read along. And he writes this, For I have received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And I spent some time this week just trying to remind myself of all the places and circumstances and ways I have shared in communion. I was picturing all the communion tables of my life. First Christian Church, Madisonville, you're number one on beauty of this table. I was thinking about the different elements, you know, whole homemade loaves of bread and little chiclets and, of course, these COVID communion wafers, they're not going to go down as my most favorite, but they're doing right now as we need them. And I've led communion. I've led communion at a church, a Lutheran church in El Salvador. He's our global ministry partner there. And when the, when the bishop found out that I was a pastor, he practically dragged me forward to the church and insisted that I help lead the service. My brother who was living there at the time, I made him whisper in my ear some things to say in Spanish so it would look like I knew what I was doing. And I recited it in myself the whole time during the whole service until the time came for me to stand up and say it and I went totally blank. I forgot how to speak English actually, it just was not pretty. But I still remember the gracious generosity in all the faces that came forward that day. I remember leading many a communion at church camp on hot summer nights. I, at camp, the youth lead the way as it should be. And I remember being a part of so many communion services where the youth are leading. One, third, one, one thing worth noting a saying, priesthood of all believers, has always been a proud line of this tradition. Priesthood of all believers, the sense that all are called to minister, all are called to serve. And this cer certainly is lived out in our church still today as anyone is able to lead at the table and to invite someone to the table. It's not just the people in the fancy robes and the degrees. Anyone is welcome to stand at the table and offer the bread of life to someone. And I remember a particular time at camp, the youth were offering communion, and I glimpsed as all the kids were coming forward, they were doing it by intinction, where you come forward and, and dip a bit of the bread into the cup. And I noticed one of our counselors was crying while this was all going on. And this counselor happened to be a mom of a camper whose son was on the autism spectrum. And after the service was over, I sort of quietly came up beside her and I said, are you, are you doing okay? And she said, yeah. You know, um, 
we're here, we're at church every Sunday, and every Sunday that communion tray is passed, and my son has never, not once, ever wanted to take part in the meal, and that's, that's okay. That was okay for me. And till tonight, when I saw him get up with his friends and go and receive the bread of life, and she said, these are tears of joy. I was just so grateful. I happened to be here to see it. I remember taking communion on the top of a rooftop in Haiti with sore hands from moving cinder blocks all day. I remember taking communion in my divinity school's chapel. I've taken communion at funerals and at weddings, at hospital bedsides. I remember one patient who was so weak, his wife had to help put the cup to his lips for him to take part in the meal. I remember when I was a chaplain at UK Hospital for a time, and I was leading chapel service, and it wasn't the custom of the, cha- of the hospital to offer communion during this chapel service, and so after I dismissed everybody, there was a woman still there, and she came up to me, and she said, I was really hoping that you all would have communion today. I was really hoping to, to have it. I, I just, I need it right now. And I said, okay, hold on. And I ran to the cafeteria, and I got some saltines and some grape juice, and I came back, and just she and I, just the two of us in the room, we broke those crackers and remembered the story of what happened in the upper room that Passover night and what Jesus did for us. I mention all these different communion moments in my own life because I'm mindful, different circumstances, different places, different languages, the bread looks different, but one, one bread, one body, one Lord of all, one host of all time and places is present at them all. And when Paul reminds the church of the story of what happened on that fateful night in the upper room, he reminds them that Jesus took bread and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them and said, do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup, and as he poured the cup, he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Pour it out for the forgiveness of sins. When you eat this bread or drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. In remembrance of me. Some communion tables even have that phrase, written on it, in remembrance of me. Our communion celebration has always been a remembrance, but it's not just to remember a historical event. It's, it's bigger than that. One scholar I read this week said, remembering means to have life and actions reshaped. When God remembered Noah in the ark or Israel in exile, the result was mercy and salvation. To remember God in Old Testament language is to repent and obey. For Paul, to remember the poor in Jerusalem, like he mentions in Galatians chapter 2, was not only to recall that they exist, rather they became a life-changing concern. 
to remember. In other words, in remembrance, it's not just so we don't forget it. It's so that we are changed by it. That we are changed by it, to let it be a part of who we are as people. To remember Jesus is to meet him at this meal in broken bread and cup, our salvation. And to remember the one who came not to be served, but to serve. It's to recognize that all who gather with us at this table as kin, as family, as part of one family of God. That's what so frustrated Paul about Corinth. They were using that table as a time to highlight their division, the haves and the haves not. It was not a moment of unity. It was a reminder of the power structures of the day. And Paul said, no, it needs to look like Jesus. Father Gregory Boyle, the L.A. Jesuit priest, I quote him all the time to you all because I love him so much, but he says that he, he regularly reminds people that communion is not for perfect people, it's for hungry people. Communion is for hungry people, a chance to come to that moment in time with all our deepest hungers and yearnings and to receive his grace and mercy that Jesus offers all of us. I remember a clergy meeting I took part of. It was a seminar type thing. And as minister meetings can sometimes do, this, this meeting turned to be a little complaining, a little confrontational, and it was just quite not fun, actually. I was dreaming of making a run for the parking lot. And ministers were griping. Everyone was sort of arguing against each other. And then... The minister who was leading the seminar just stopped, stepped in at some point into the conversation and said, look, I was going to keep on talking about something else, but I actually think we need to skip to the end of what I plan to do today. So we're going to have worship right now. And he got out communion. And he began to talk about the Lord's Supper, about Jesus, about this meal, about sacrifice and servanthood and grace and mercy in our lives. And I remember he talked about who Jesus is and will always be. And he said, today, instead of you coming forward to receive this, I want you to serve each other in the room. And so one by one, we would turn to the person next to us, the bread of life broken for you, the cup of salvation for you, and I could feel the spirit in the room begin to change as it helped us all to come awake to who we are and who we are called to be in the world today. Two of the founding members of our movement in the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, Alexander Campbell and Bart Stone, two ministers that were so committed and moved by the glimpses of Christian unity that they saw around the communion table, that they spent their entire ministry seeking that for the rest of their lives, to seek that unity across whatever the sign says out front. One body of Christ, where all you need to say is, y'all come, 
come eat. Now, don't, don't look now, but you might be sitting next to someone today who gets on your last nerve. I said, don't look. Nobody look. Somebody you don't get. Somebody that drives you nuts. Somebody who constantly votes the opposite of you at every election, so you just cancel each other's votes out. Somebody you don't understand, and actually it could just be a stranger that you don't know. But here, at this meal, we are family. One body of Christ. And I know it's just a tiny little bit of bread, not even good tasting bread, just a tiny bit of bread that we offer you today in remembrance, in remembrance of a moment in time. But if you let it, this meal can change everything about your life. It can change how you see other people. It can change the way you experience grace and mercy in your life. Love poured out for the likes of you and me where everyone has a seat at the table. For I have received what I also hand on to you. Come, all you hungry people. Come and eat.